February 7, 2019, it's a Watt from Pedro show.
For Pedro Show. Hey, brother Matt. Hey, how's it going? The, the three storms in a row is gone. Yes, beautiful. Yeah. A little chilly, but pretty nice. Yeah, a little chilly. Not uh, chilly to most people's standards. <laughs> in the high 50s. Pretty beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, not a cloud in the sky. Yeah. I mean, they're having to repair uh, Royal Palms because of the. Got tore up with the. I mean, the waves were pounded. Yeah, yeah, the and the waterfall. I cannot believe how the breakwater could. Yeah, it was going over the breakwater onto the pier. Yeah, yeah, the splash, pier. total splash. Now, we didn't have dudes surfing inside <laughs> the breakwater. It wasn't that intense. <laughs> but uh, the rope pump, man, that waterfall gets flowing. Yeah, and of course, I had to see a joke. Oh, homeless shower. <laughs> people have a fucking. Or what about people who take pictures of homeless people? Someone put some crazy well, pictures up. Yeah, that's a karma investment <laughs> that I don't need. Look, we start off the show with the night. We called it a day. John Coltrane with uh, Milt Jackson on the vibes there. And uh, then our guest, Mikhail. Hey. Tobert. Hello. Hi. With, with, with Secret Song. Welcome aboard. You're in New York City, right? Yes, well, I'm actually in New Jersey in Tenafly, but it's right over the George Washington Bridge from New York City. Yeah, but probably people from both states wouldn't want me getting that shit confused. <laughs> <laughs> like the orange curtain here or something like that. Yeah. Or even Wemos, right? Wemos is Wemos, Pedro's Pedro. But we both share, we both share the harbor. Uh, Mikhail, can you tell me, uh, what's the name of the town again? It's called Tenafly. Tenafly. Mm. Wow. Yes, it's from the Dutch. It's from Tien Vlai, which means ten swamps, which doesn't sound very flattering. <laughs> ten flocks? Ten swamps. Oh, oh ten swamps. cool. <laughs> yes, oh, as ten in swamps full of mosquitoes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yellow fever almost took out Memphis twice. Yeah. yeah. Not that long ago yeah. either. It gets up downtown, I think, uh... We've got to watch out, yeah, right? Yeah. I think even some Nile in Riverside, some Nile virus. They're vectors. Mm. The worst was a year and a half ago. I did 11 gigs in Italy with this. Oh, my yeah. Nile. In 10 of the towns, 10 different Zanzara, they call them. Oh, man. That bit the fuck out of me. It was, I thought I had cancer. These things grew up the next day like tumors wow. and meatballs. <laughs> so looking at pictures people took of me, and like, oh, my God, mumps. Mikhail, what's your earliest yeah. musical memory? My earliest musical memory, um, let's see. Well, my parents took me to a Philip Glass concert, but that's kind wow. of like urban legend at this point because apparently that's what inspired me to ask for classical piano lessons. Um, but I so, think probably my earliest musical memory you mean, you was mean listening what you're to saying? like... Excuse me, you mean what you're saying is you have a false implanted memory? <laughs> probably, yeah. Aren't all memories false implanted memories? <laughs> 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 all airbrush and spun up, you know, to make to make the now. <laughs> like I was, I've been uh, getting into Wittgenstein, you know, Lord Ludwig, right? And he's got like, he had two theories. 
First time words are pictures. Nah, that's wrong. Words are tools. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, what what me- memory do you trust the best of being your earliest? Um, I think probably my parents listening to the Beatles around the house, or like Elton John or Billy Joel, something like that. <laughs> can, can I ask if you're uh, uh, were they just listeners or were they players too? My dad plays a lot of different instruments. Not anymore, but you know he used to play the piano and the guitar and the sitar. So you grew up. Started... A, you grew up in a house with a piano. Yes. Mm-hmm. And a sitar. Well, they left the sitar in Israel because I was born in Israel, and then they moved back to the states, and yeah. so that didn't make it back when they <laughs> moved back. So, so to make a special trip. So, what do you think of the Beatles and Elton John now? He was just in town this this week. Are you tired of him after hearing him for so long, or, or uh, you still get a little enjoyment from him? I'm still nostalgic for that music. It's definitely you know it, it warms my heart when I hear it. <laughs> Okay, what, here's the next question. If there's a piano in the house, did your parents want you to learn piano? Well, I wanted to learn very young, so I actually asked them for lessons, and I started studying when I was five. Now, can um, I ask you the piano question I ask everybody? Did you have a teacher you hated? I had a teacher that I loved, and okay. she's in her 90s right. now, and she's still one of my mentors oh, and awesome. very good friends. Cool. Let's give her a name. Her name is Mrs. Lisa Grad, and she was a private teacher on Central Park West, and she was wonderful, wonderful woman. Cavell, Cavell. <laughs> no, because we've heard so many stories about people almost being turned off from music because of lame piano teachers. Yeah, no, I was very, very lucky. I've heard many, many horror stories as well, but she really inspired me. And even when I was 13 and I heard Nirvana and I decided I wanted to become a rock star and pick up the guitar she encouraged me to do that she wasn't upset that i left the classical piano path you know me and daco jones had to talk about this uh, sunday rock and roll actually is piano music the guitar came later <laughs> yeah think about it, a little rich little killer and, and even think Jared. about the 20s and 30s jelly roll yeah and the boogie woogie mm-hmm. uh, yeah that's where rock and roll's from it's a mule that's you know? a really mm-hmm. good point yeah Thing is, it's hard to get a piano around, and uh, also they're kind of expensive, a little spendy. Sure, those accordion yeah. came in. <laughs> yeah, accordion. Yeah. Also, some Euro culture there. Pizza will play accordion. Yeah. Uh, but I could see how, yeah, guitar, econo, and maybe a little easier to play. Although, man, having one button for every note. <laughs> so, okay, what, what about it? Uh, can you remember the first record you bought yourself? The first record I bought was Nirvana Nevermind, and the first record I stole was Soul Asylum Grave Dancers Union. <laughs> oh, and you're confessing to it now, okay. <laughs> yes. uh, what, 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 in, in the first gig you think you went to, but maybe you're mistaken, was Philip Glass. Yes. Which is the first gig you're sure of that you went to? Um, I saw the Black Crows. Um, that was my first like big concert. Um, no, it don't have to be a big concert, just gig. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know what my first gig would have been. That's a really good question. I have to yeah, ask but there's my no wrong answer. There's no wrong answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What about it? What about at school? Were you part of the choir or the school band, a marching band? I was part of chorus and I was part of band. Um, and I tried to get into jazz chorus and I could not get in because they didn't think that I could sing. <laughs> and what kind of? What kind of? Uh, you sing very well, though. What, what, in in okay. band, what did you try to play? 
Um, I play piano and I play drums, and I was terrible at that. Um, oh, it was a jazz band. But how cool that you you've gone beyond that one place that said you couldn't sing. It's like uh, your your teacher told you. you Mr. Luna. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Jordan's coach told him he couldn't play. Yeah, my, my music in seventh grade, I tried a, the ten week elective, and uh, you know, me and ten thousand other guys yeah. wanted saxophone, so they gave me a clarinet. And after the end of ten weeks, wow, do you get the next ten weeks? Mr. Luna says, Mr. Watt, you try hard, but stop wasting your time. My time, and then he looks at the class. Our time. <laughs> it just goes to show you, though. <laughs> well, Brother Matt, you know what a farmer would tell you. If you want a good crop, use a lot of manure. So I said, bring it, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, it just goes to show you. Don't let one dude's opinion stop you. Yeah, look, I want to play this song before tonight. Anything to say about that? Um, so this is a love song, and it's about... Um, pining for this like very deep passionate love and um not having it <laughs> all right pining
The greatest love is that which can't be spoken. A hunger accidentally awoken, and I can't go back to sleep without you by my side. I look for you as soon as my eyes open. Ages of my life leave me choking, and I won't get back on my knees now. I found you again. Pedro show. Yeah, we heard before tonight, Mikhail Tober. After that, Mini Beast. That's got uh, Peter from, uh, what are they called? Mission of Burma. <laughs> He's got his own <laughs> band now, Mini Beast. And uh, What the Fuck Times Two. I thought that was intense. I like camping. And then uh, something from Turkey, uh, Kuniat Sepeci with uh, Osman Aga with Taksim. I think that word with is English. <laughs> 
<laughs> Brand new from uh, Toulon, France, Hi-Fi Club. Frerigis just did collaboration, well, we got it going, uh, with Natural. They've got a new album out of collaborations with people over there. Uh, Sun Watchers and Eugene Chaborn out of New York City. They recorded this uh, Minuteman song. I felt like a Gringo Wilson interpretation. Their own version, of course, Professor Huge out of North Carolina. And uh, Sexa from Croatia, live. Tebi Chertum. And Shumsky, a Pravi uh, Islas. Uh, Shumsky was uh, Zagreb, too, uh, and on the show a couple weeks ago. A couple weeks ago. ago. Great, great cats. I, I think uh, the bassman Cornell wrote me, uh, he had a gig in uh, Ljubljana last night. Uh. And then Lauren, brand new, uh, a bunch of rarities with 555, 555, 555, 555, yeah, it's a phone number <laughs> without an area code. There was a lot of songs in the swing days of phone numbers. Yeah, I yeah. Think people, sailors would meet ladies, right, <laughs> after paying the dime for the mm-hmm. dance. So the phone number was a big dealio, yeah. Pennsylvania. And then finally, another happy song from Mikhail Toher, Tragedy. (laughs) Now that's about a successful love affair, right? (laughs) Yeah. No, no. I feel like I I, I should have sent the records out with like razor blades. No, look, look. Look, we we weren't expecting a bunch of weird Al Yankovic. Okay. (laughs) There's some accordion, brother, man. He's got started. Look. While you were trying music in school and they were putting you down in this, did you do the stuff after school, like a garage band, bedroom band, a a basement band? I always tried to be in bands, and I was in various bands, but I never found um, collaborators that were really, like, I was able to vibe with and that were as passionate about my music as I was. So even though I was in a bunch of different bands, I never was, like, part of a real unit, you know? I kind of was always a solo operator. Well... What about playing in front of people? Can you remember the first time you did that? Yes. Well, I I played a bunch of um, classical concerts when I was very young. But then my first gig with my own music was when I was 13. And I played at Sidewalk Cafe on Avenue A and 6th Street, um, which, you know, has had one of the longest running open mics in New York City. And my mentor, Latch, used to run it. And they're actually getting new owners and they're not going to be doing music there anymore so it's kind of the end of an era wow you know there was an era before that that neighborhood was called alphabet city yes <laughs> and it was right like holes in the hatch where you stick the money to get the dope <laughs> yeah richard hell told me about intense uh, well he was there before that even i think he moves there in 1970 since seven months landlord didn't even come around wow 12 bucks a month <laughs> yeah i was pretty beat up you would never I just saw some bass thing that Tina Weymouth did for the BBC oh. people. Did you see this doc? No. And uh, she was talking about how it changed. But I think that that town and that, also New Jersey, all that area, always changing, all, very dynamic. And, and very yeah, and it's, it's really become very gentrified now. But, you know, when I was That's 13, the bad it was change. in yeah. 93. <laughs> and it still was kind of, it had character still, even though it was a lot better than in the 70s, obviously. But it wasn't anything like what it is now. Now it's like yeah. super bougie. And <laughs> Actually, she no was saying left. that stuff too. Her and her husband, Chris, still live there. But, you know, they were looking for CBs and they found a clothes store and some shit like that. Anyway, uh, not to get all uh, negative and cynical, but. Uh, that gig that you did, 
Were you scared? Um, yeah, I definitely was was scared. Um, I think I 13 had 13 so years old playing in New York City at open mic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man. <laughs> yeah, my guitar was out of tune and I cried, I believe. <laughs> okay. okay. So I definitely was scared. But Thank I came you. back. I didn't give up and I got yeah, back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's great. Uh, so, but you, you did try to join bands. It just didn't. Just didn't hold. What about after uh, high school and shit? You, uh, college? Did you do that stuff? Well, I was signed to Sony Columbia when I was 17. So right when I graduated high oh, school, I, remember I got that. signed. I remember um, that. Uh, people, yeah, and so I then did, uh, I, I put off. Um, I, I should do a disclaimer. I should do a disclaimer here, Mikhail. Uh, I was a Columbia artist for 14 years. Mm. And oh, in, fa- wow. in, in fact, that's how I know Howard Wolfen. Very and so, nice. <laughs> in, in a way, uh, uh, thanks to Kevin Bacon, me and you are connected. <laughs> and Howard. Two degrees. Two Howard. degrees of separation. But, but I remember, I, I do remember you joining the, yeah, okay, you were only 17. Yeah. Um, that so happen? I actually put off going to college for a few years. Yeah, but how, how did that happen? Did somebody come um, to the coffee house? I was was playing gigs for like four years around the city and I played CMJ in um, 97 and I played at um, Arlene's Grocery at two in the morning and Don DeVito came to see me and uh, that's how I got signed. Okay. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So how was that experience? Um, it was mixed, you know, I mean, I remember being really excited about getting signed, but I always felt somehow like it wouldn't work out. And I don't know if that's just my pessimistic personality, but I always felt like something was going to go wrong and like the other shoe was going to drop. Um, and it was kind of a difficult period of time because I deferred going to school and I was living at home with my parents (laughs) and all of my peers, you know, went to college and were moving on with their lives. And I was on Columbia, but they were like, hurry up and wait basically and it took forever to get my record done and when i delivered it they didn't hear hits and so i had to remake the record oh shit <laughs> they See, didn't want me to tour you know what? they were like <laughs> that is such a, a typical story right same old set you were talking about soul asylum they had to do something like that re-record the album my experience yeah. was so much different i had a hundred percent complete control i just had to deliver finished Masters, I remember when I brought my first record in, they mm. sent me to the, they thought I was a delivery guy, and they sent me to the mailroom. <laughs> <laughs> but my product manager, you know, Peter Fletcher, all the, all those cats, they loved me. You know, I'd already done 11 years on SST. I, I'd never had to go through that stuff I heard all the other people had to go do. But then I, you know, I never took tour support. I was Econo. In fact, they wanted me to do talks to their young bands because some of these people thought getting signed just meant, you know, you... Got a little free ride on mm. the gravy train. They didn't know that was step one of like Nightmare City. You know? <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you let it happen, they were just always. I don't have one horror story from my 14 years at a major label. Well, you were probably a lot savvier than I was because I was so young. I had no idea what yeah, I was doing. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. I was in my 30s. Yeah, so I, I could have been a lot smarter. Um, I really didn't know what it meant to be signed to a label. And I didn't have a lot of experience touring. I just had experience playing around New York City. Um, well, you know, so I, I, had know 11, how... I had 11 years with SST, and right? Greg Ginn, they never, uh, hey, you got to do something else. You do what you do. I think we were at uh, Minuteman was SST 002. Mm-hmm. So that's where I came from. So, yeah, when they, 
They it wasn't like oh uh, here's the brass ring now you have to uh, move up move into mm. another mm. which actually means you've earned the right to pay a lot more people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the A and R man is taking us out to dinner. No, you're taking him out to dinner. And, you know, so I, I kind of knew a little bit, bit about that, but I, I have to say I, I have good. Because I saw clowns tie the puppet strings to their wrists and ankles and then cry about it later. Uh-huh. And so that uh, it makes me a little weirded out, but uh, nobody deserves abuse or anything. And I'm so sorry you had to uh, re-record your record and that. But at least you got to do that. That's probably the first time you were in the studio, right? Yes. Uh-huh. So I, I, made, I ended up doing two records with them, and then we parted ways, and I've continued to make records. This is my eighth record, uh, No Resolution. So I've been doing it independently for a while now. And I've had to learn the ropes now as an older person. <laughs> no, less younger. Hmm. Got, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we don't have that old word anymore. That old word is out. Same with the word, same with that P word, you know. Look, this thing ends up an MP3 file that lots of different devices can play. <laughs> nothing to do with that fucking P. I don't even think that company, A company, makes that P right. device yeah. anymore. So why are people, you know, putting on the fucking shill chonies? You know, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's my it's my show, other Matt. Okay, that's what it is. It ain't that other that P word. So the same thing with the O word. We get rid of that. So now you're a little bit less young, but you know what? You're more wise. That's true. Well, I actually have a song on my record called Old, so I don't know. Can we not play that one because it's called Old? That, you know what? It's one of the last ones of the thing. Right <laughs> right with, with Cut Me, because Cut here in Pedro means like, it's done. Well, I guess directors are like that, right, when they're shooting a movie. Cut! So we're, yeah, we're like that. Get scissors, that's another slang for it, right? Your scissors. So I thought... Those kind of went, and also I got uh, a band from Japan doing uh, Ghost Lanterns after. So it, it kind of fits in. Sometimes you got to use other people's cuss words. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Uh, uh, d- d- you must have done some tours. Um, I did some one-offs. I did like a small tour, but I never did like a great big. You never got in a van. Yeah. Nope. I always wanted to. I always thought that that was like a very romantic notion, but. Uh, well, you, you know, I had you know the tradition, I was, I was, right? Vaudeville. What's the tradition? It's vaudeville. <laughs> it totally uh-huh. is vaudeville, and it's a, a, to me, it's a very proud and happening tradition to come from. Work in the towns, or like they say, work the room. Yeah, I would have loved to have done that, and there's definitely a part of me that wishes that I did. But you know, my parents were very protective, and they were always kind of whispering in my ear that I had to have a fallback plan and I had to have a profession and. When things didn't work out right away with Columbia, I went back to school. I went. I had deferred Yale, and so I went to Yale. I got my undergraduate well, degree. Let's hold that and for then, the second hour, Mikhail, because <laughs> we're at the end of the first hour, February 7, 2019. Hold tight for hour two. February 7, 2019. It's the second hour of the Pedro Show. When you want to rebel, don't need to go down a hell. Just put my record on, and you can play along. I'm 
Oh, 
when his branch is yet tender and put it forth leaves, you know the summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the close.
Walk for Pedro Show. We start off the second hour with Devil You Love from Mikhail Tolbert. Then uh, Chris Chappelle's Distortion Pedal. <laughs> That's a great name for a band. <laughs> Military Industrial Music. <laughs> Very sexy. Uh, Sabratics, brand new, out of uh, Lyon, France. Renaud, Didier, et Joe. So, yeah, three guys. Uh, guy to buy voices, that's good. Bob Palmer's got a new album. Like 102. Can't believe it. Uh, out of Cleveland, my old man from I Am the Polish Army. Yeah. We're going to have her on the... We just had to pull a ship here in town. That's right. A, a, a three... Uh, the tall ship. Yeah. Three master. Big baby. Name's hard, a little hard to say. She's doing a world tour. Some good shots. Then Stoma out of uh, Rotterdam with Anitha the size. And finally, Let Me Down Easy, Mikhail Tober. Uh, yeah, those are little, little well, kind of hopeful songs. Yeah, there's um, there's kind of a split in the album, I would say. Half of it is like really depressing and dark, and then half of it is a little bit more pretty and hopeful. <laughs> and where'd you record it? I recorded it at my producer's house in New Jersey. Um, he what lives town? in South Jersey. Um, what's the town called? Uh, I'm blanking on it right now. It's in South Jersey. Um, on the coast? Oh, geez. Um, it's close to the shore. Because um, yeah. yeah. they, got, they got like a, a shore scene. Mm. Yeah, I've been, you know, I played Asbury Park. It's, mm. In fact, if you look at New Jersey, it looks like a little California turned the other way. Oh. You know, because people from the city, they see Newark, and they think that's everything. But that's mm. like looking at, people, you know, Union 76 refinery, mm. okay? New Jersey has all kinds of uh, countryside. Garden State. Gar- garden State, right. They got a weird way of making less in, in, the, in the, that Garden State part. They call them jug, <laughs> jug handles, right? Where you have to come around. Oh, wow. You go on the other side to make your big port. Oh, trippy. Yeah, yeah. Jug handles. But... Like Princeton, the only frat party I ever played. Princeton frat had fire hose play, and uh, for frat boys, they weren't. <laughs> they had good know? taste. And and uh, but the where the campus was was incredibly beautiful and rural and stuff. New Jersey, beautiful. so how long did it take, Mikhail? Um, oh, I just looked it up. It's in Freehold. That's that's Freehold. Where okay. Um, yeah, yeah, the studio is. Sorry, <laughs> I totally blanked for some reason. <laughs> no, that's all but, right. Um, Freehold, yeah, I think, is. That's the town, uh, no, it's Fremantle, in Perth, right? Because oh, they yeah. pr- built with prison shit, <laughs> right? So you, you would get free, yeah. Great, great idea. But uh, how long did it take? Um, we recorded it in basically six months. Um, but the whole process nice of the record took, like, from beginning to end, from my starting to write the songs till the end was about two and a half years. And so you, 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 do you make little things at home and then you, you show it to them and then talk about it yeah I actually um, when I started writing the songs for the record it was right when Facebook Live came about and so every time I would write a song I would perform it on Facebook Live and then I would get feedback from my community and I wrote a hundred songs for the record and I picked the top 15 you play a hundred songs (laughs) you played a hundred songs on Fake Look for your people (laughs) I I was talking I was talking more about you and the producer what's his name Cause. Yeah, cause. I thought it was between you and cause. You were actually like, you know, the Minutemen had an idea like this, like a ballot result. D-Boot, one of the records, D-Boom put a ballot in there because we thought the best way to beat a bootleggers was to come out with your own live record. So D-Boom says, <laughs> well, why don't we have these people pick the songs? 
And it'd be like this idea of voting, right? Mm-hmm. One song, one vote or some shit. And you kind of did that too. You asked your people. Yeah, so a lot of it was um, based on the response that I got. Um, and, you know, I, I picked it. I picked the 15 songs based on people's response and also how well they kind of told the narrative of what was going on in my life at that time. So. Okay, so Kaz was, he, he was the caboose, right? He was, he was after all this process, right? <laughs> Okay. Yeah, and you know he he was a new producer. He just graduated from Rutgers, and this was the first real record that he'd made. So he was very open to my guidance, and it was um, very collaborative. The process of making the record, I think, it was the most I've ever been involved in production. Rutgers, uh, Lewis Porter, the guy who wrote my big John Coltrane books. Uh, He's a professor. Uh, yeah, good kid. Cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, well, how'd you meet him? On Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> you emulsify it. It's like the sausage skin, right? <laughs> it's the, put you guys together, makes the big slurry, keeps the slurry in the tube. Well, really, you you met him just by chance on fake. Well, wow. Okay. Yeah, I actually I met him through another producer who I did a session with, and I really didn't like him, but he we yeah. had a. Uh, our our mutual hatred of this guy helped me reach my producer because <laughs> Kaz knew him as well. Yeah, I, li- I like to hear more stories like that, man. Because you hear the other kind of stories. Wow, there's a great record, John Wayne. You know this, not the actor, but this band. They were purported from Texas, but they had this record called Texas Funeral. You got to hear it because there's a lot about the producer in the booth and kind of stories. And well. I'm glad I ain't that yeah. situation. But you know what? I am glad very much to have Brother Matt here to deliver the spin site. Hooyah!
want a jelly, Mr. Dealer. I 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 want a jelly, Mr. Dealer. So I can move on down the line. Yeah, baby. With a record machine When it comes to rockin' She's a queen Love dance on Saturday night All alone I can hold her tight But she lives on 20th floor of town Elevator's broken down So I walk one, two, fly, three, fly, four Five, six, seven, fly, eight, fly, four On the 10th I'm starting to drag 15th floor I'm ready to say Get to the top I'm too tired to rock Let's call me up on the telephone Come on over Lance I'm all alone I said baby you're mighty sweet Bed with the achy feet. This went on for a couple of days, but I could not stay away. So I walk one, two, fly, two, fly, four, five, six, seven, fly, eight, fly, four. On the tenth, I'm ready to bang. Fifteen to four, I'm starting to say, Get to the cop, I'm too tired to rock. Fixed up, use my stairs. Hope you hurry before it's too late. I love my baby too much to wait. All this climbing is getting me down. Find my corpse draped over a rail, but I walk one, two, fly, two, fly, four, five, six, seven, fly, eight, fly, four. On the tenth, I'm starting to drag. Fifteenth floor, I'm ready to say, get to the top. I'm too tired to ride. Yeah. Okay, take it away, boy. Thank you, there, sir.
Played some music by a buddy of ours, Lazy Lance. Cancer took him, 57 years old, and uh, he's a great cat. I mean, this guy lived with cancer for many years. They're cutting tumors out of him, Man. years and years. So much suffered, but he always wanted. He's a great singer and uh, harmonica player. He loved blues. Yeah, we had some fun. And uh, yeah, great cat. Yeah, oh, time Pedro guy and just. Never get used to losing people. Yeah, too many. Anyway, so sorry for your loss. Yeah, yeah. You know, me and Brother Matt, we're kind of entering it into this, the less younger area when more of this happens. You know? Yeah, it's crazy. The longer you live, the more grief you got to encounter. Yeah. It's, uh, it's learning to adapt you, to that. You're not into that place yet. So, uh, No, you are. You are. We all are. But it, just the odds go up more mm-hmm. when, yeah, definitely. I mean, I had a friend that I lost to cancer um, while I was making the record, actually. Uh, Steve Puteski from Marilyn Manson. Oh, Stacey yeah. Berkowitz. Sure. Yeah, and um, he, he wrote one of the one of the guitar lines for one of the songs, The Crash. It's the first song on the record. Sure, sure. Yeah, so, I mean, it happens all the time, and even young people obviously pass away. But Too yeah, young. Obviously when you get older, oh, yeah, you what a, what's that, the, the hospital in the Memphis? 
Say Jews. Uh, these, these babies born yeah. with cancer. I mean, what yeah, the fuck awful. did they do? Yeah, I don't get a chance. Yeah. I know, don't well, did you see? Shot. Supposedly the Israelis found a, a cure for cancer that's going to be on the market in a year. That's pretty amazing. It's supposed to target yeah. like 90% of types of cancer. That's not good for business. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna have to invent something else to kill us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then we'll just all have to worry about heart attacks. But right, that's you know, good news. Like a big that's one. some good news out of Israel. Thank yeah. You. Thank yeah. You. Uh, about your record. Uh, so, like Steve came in with a guitar. So you brought in other musicians, right? Yes. So mostly it was just me and Cause, um, but I did work with a guitar player who is actually my main collaborator now. Um, his name is Ar and. He's an incredible guitar player and saxophonist, and he played on a couple of the tunes on the record. How'd you um, meet? And he, we actually have been friends for 15 years, but we were like pen pals and only communicated um, over email. And he was the web designer for Robin Fink's website, um, the guitar player from Nine Inch Nails. And so he connected us 15 years ago, and we stayed friends all this time. And I didn't really know he was an incredible musician until the last couple of years when I was making this record. And then we started collaborating and he ended up flying out and playing some shows with me and um it just really worked out that band that i always wanted and that collaborator that i was always looking for was there all along i just didn't realize it <laughs> but it's another it's another guitarist but he does sax too right yes mm-hmm. and, and never... he actually wrote um secret song and bittersweet on the record so those are his tunes <laughs> ah that's great what, what what about a rhythm section so that was all Kaz. Kaz played some live drums, and he programmed a lot of the stuff, and he played all the bass as well. He's really wow. talented. He plays, like, everything. He's been playing drums since he was, like, three years old. Wow, wow. Uh, so, it, actually, it was a three-way then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, because he not just a producer, a decider, but he's also in there in the trenches playing with you guys. Yeah, he was the producer, the engineer, and he played most of the stuff on the record. So he really contributed as much as I did on this record. And his studio's there in Freehold, where he lives. Okay. Uh, yeah. Wow. In uh, six months. So it wasn't six months straight. You, you come there on a weekend or something? Yeah, exactly. So I basically went there every weekend. Because um, I also have three little kids. I have um, three sons who are seven, five, and three. So it's hard for me to escape. <laughs> are they playing? Are they playing music? Yeah. Um, the middle one is talented. I'm teaching him how to play piano, but the Uh-oh, other two start, haven't really shown. You're starting that to sound like those teachers at your school. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't want to push them if they're not sure. passionate about it. You yeah, know? absolutely. I absolutely. want them to like really want to do it and for it to come from inside. I don't want to be like a tiger mom or something. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> I was I talking really... to Steve, the drummer man uh, for Flaming Lips. He was six years old and playing in drums for his daddy in his country wow. western band. <laughs> <laughs> like vaudeville, you would bring the kids into the act. Uh, Charlie Hayden, right? He before he did stand up bass, he was uh, yodeling cowboy Charlie. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's the way they were, did it. Were, in those your, days. were your parents musicians, or how did you kind of get interested in music when you were little? Debo. It was this guy who jumped out of a tree and landed on me. <laughs> His mom told me to play bass because we were going to have a band. What good but fortune. But my mom did a little singing for a swing thing in the 30s, the 40s. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, no, I should say 40s. She's still a little girl. <laughs> Sorry, Ma. Uh, look, we're at the end of the second hour, February 7th, 2019. Hold tight for hour three. 
February 7, 2019. It's the third hour of the Watt Pedro Show.
Well, from Pedro Show, start off the third hour with Mikhail Tober doing affirmation chant. And in your own words about this tune, Mikhail? This is really the happiest song on the record. And it's basically me telling myself that I'm very resilient. And no matter what happens to me, I'll make it through. So it's kind of like my, my positive pep talk for myself musically. Yeah, yeah. We need things like that. Uh, Mode Omen after that from Baltimore with the first side, Red Light. A live piece. And then, I think this is a real good candidate for affirmation chant, The Crash by Mikhail Tover. What's The Crash? So The Crash is about um, how I experience really, really high highs and really low lows emotionally. And I go through cycles, um, especially like when I do something like play a show or I do something creative, that's like a really high high for me. And then after that, there's always like this emotional crash or this come down um and i think like many artists i go through periods of depression and anxiety and music has been very therapeutic for me in getting a lot of those negative emotions out so this song is about my struggles with those things and and just how i try to channel my negative emotions into music you know i just read stuff on virginia wolf and it was always around uh finishing a book that she got her most wigged out you know Heavy thing. That's it's, it's trippy how the creative process can be tied to the, pre-exhausting. Uh, yeah, emotional hell. Like she ended up drowning herself though. Yeah, I mean, do you find that when you do something creative that you have like an emotional come down afterwards, or you don't go through that as much? Uh, yeah, I'm. You know, if it comes out and I like it, I'm like, God damn, where did that come from? I am very grateful. <laughs> <laughs> very grateful. <laughs> I am very grateful. The heaviest part for me is, is is making the first, you know, bursting the dam open and getting the shit to flood. And that's why uh-huh. I always have to start with the song title. I have to give some kind of focus so I can, you know, get a crack in that dam. And, uh, mm. But I think there's a billions of ways to do this stuff, and that's why I like to talk about people's musical journey on the, the Swap from Pedro show. I think I owe it to the movement. Because I think there's a lot of different ways to do stuff like this. Uh, yeah. We're going to do that O song now. What's your age? I'm 38. What well, kind of? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, let's listen, okay? How'd I get so old? Crepe, paper, skin, so folded.
yeah, Old from Mikhail Tober. Then uh, Ali from uh, France with the, not France, uh, Japan. Yeah, kind of the same, but different. <laughs> Ghost Lands. And then uh, Woody Oppenop with uh, Bonsai Universe doing Moonstream. These are some guitar guys. Henry Kaiser with Derek Bailey doing Chrysanthemums. Chrysanthemums. Yeah, I go practice with Henry tomorrow. A bunch of John Coltrane to play Saturday night in Santa Monica. Yeah, now tomorrow night I'll do some uh, Stooges like John Coltrane with Perkins and Peter. If oh, to be. Yeah, at the, the State Rock? Yeah. yeah. You going? I was just okay. there for uh, the other... Were you there? It used to be what? The, uh, the Pitcher House. Yeah, Pitcher House. Okay. <laughs> but uh, I'm really scared about this John Coltrane music. You know. But Henry asked me to do it. His pop built all them Liberty and Victory ships. Like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My, Never my grandfather was a captain on one of those. Yeah, he was aluminum. Yeah, Lugano, yeah, Kaiser. very undergunned. Uh, Patrick Grant after that, polymetric patterns. That's a guitar man's idea. And then finally, cut me, Mikhail Tober. Cut me, you know. I, I told you, Pedro, cut me, yeah. So Big I thought scissors. it would be a good uh, song last. <laughs> You want to explain? You don't have to explain. Oh, what, what's it about? Um, or whatever you yeah, want to sure. say about it. I mean, you know, a lot of people, what I don't want to talk about, that's why I recorded the song. So, <laughs> Well, you know, it, it's a funny song because it literally, it's about cutting, but it, that's not something that I ever did. But it's more about, like, our maladaptive behaviors. And I definitely have a lot of things that are bad for me that I do. Um, and oh, self Self-harm. <laughs> self-harm. Yes. Yeah, self-harm, exactly. I think and that's the things what they that call we do in, in the short term to make ourselves feel better that might not be so good for us in the long term. Yeah, um, like passions? And for me, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's one thing. But um, for me, I have, you know, I have a recurring eating disorder. So when I was on Columbia, when I was signed so young, there was like a lot of pressure on me to be, look a certain way. And they wanted me to lose weight and things. And I developed anorexia and... Um, Throughout my life, whenever I get, like, really stressed out, it kind of flares up again. And when I was making this record three and a half years ago, I had, like, a flare-up of it. And so that's what this song is about, literally. Wow. You know, uh, we got a buddy, a plumber. Well, he does this. Uh, I think he's in the stage union now up in the city. But when he lived in Pedro, he's a plumber man, Richard fucking Bonnie. RFB. And he told me about, uh, I think it was San Diego State, Aztecs. He, he had to replace plumbing. In the girls' dorm because they're puking and their bile was eating up the pipes. Wow! Right, that's yeah. part of this disorder. You want to? Yeah, yeah that's that. It's similar. It's another eating disorder, bulimia. When people vomit that's their it. food up, bulimia. yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was a big thing. You know, when I was in high school in New York, a lot of the girls had eating disorders because there's just so much societal pressure on women to look a certain way. Look and... at the fucking Barbie dolls. Yeah, it's crazy. But so. I think they're changing Barbie doll shapes, right? I think it's gotten a lot better. There's a lot more diversity of body shapes and more just body acceptance now, you know. I mean, I think it can swing the other way. And, you know, you don't want to encourage people to be unhealthy or, like, really obese or something. But I do think that it's important to represent different body types. Yeah. I mean, some people, genes. D. Boone, I mean, he could have worked out 23 hours a day. He was going to be a big man. You know? Yeah, that's true. I mean, everybody has, obviously, a different genetic makeup and, yeah. and body type. Of course, um, of course. But the American diet isn't great either, so we could all That's be doing better with that. <laughs> now, what's your next? What, what's your next plans? Um, I'm writing my next record now. I'm working with a lot of different um, co-writers and producers, and I'm trying to. I'm feeling out where the next record is going to go, basically. 
And if people want to know about you via the internet, they got to go to Fake Look. Do you have your own website? <laughs> So Facebook is really my main landing page. So if people want to find me, my name is Michal Talbert, M-I-C-H-A-L-T-O-W-B-E-R. So they can find me on Facebook that way. Or I'm on Instagram. I'm Michal Talbert Insta. I'm on YouTube. I'm Michal Talbert YouTube. Um, but, but, <laughs> I, I, but, do you have your own website? I don't have my own website. Please get one. Please get one. Because, <laughs> no, no, this is fanzine ethics. I thought when the, everybody would have their own website, it's like your own fanzine. There's no middle person. Yeah. Just not I mean, I, Just keep it in I, the I, back of your head somewhere. I, I know you hate uh, Facebook. I'm no, no, Facebook I use now. it. Look, <laughs> look, the way I look at it is a telephone pole. Okay? Uh-huh. There's instant ham. There's shitter. Look, it's telephone pole to put up your flyer, too. But the, the idea of your own website also, this is all parallel universe. I'm saying you don't get rid of anything, okay? Let the freak flag fly. But not just only nurse stuff. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, no, you're right. I should I'm not trying to be a purist. I'm sorry about that. No, no, it's totally fine. I think you're right. I think there's a lot of negative things about Facebook. Um, I think there's a lot of positive things, too, but obviously it's a mixed bag. Yeah, um, of course. It's like a telephone pole. What are you going to staple up on that pole? <laughs> totally. You're either doing a gig or a flyer. That was D Boone philosophy of the world. It's, anything that ain't a gig, it's a flyer. Okay, it's been a big honor to have you on the show. Truly, thank you so so much for having me. I really really appreciate it. It was really fun talking to you. Can I ask you if I was a young, a more younger person, and I was asking you for musical advice, what would you give? I I would say you know I re- I wish that young people would just really study their instruments more because I feel like now it's not about learning an instrument and it's not about becoming really good at something it's more about the, like wanting this like instant fame and recognition and I think that's sad. That so you say practice. From- you know John Coltrane did ten twelve Eric Dolphy too. In fact, Eric yeah. Dolphy's pop, you know, downtown inner city. He builds him a prac pad in the backyard so mm-hmm. the Dolph could get his thing together. I like that. Thank you so much for being on and keep on keeping on. Thank you so much. Okay, Brother Matt, thank you for your always essential aid and abetting. Indeed. People, it's been February 7th, 2019 edition of Black Eagle Show. Keep your powder dry. Yeah.